listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host Jason Cook and today we have Libby Hergelin joining us again back in the studio. Welcome Libby. Hello, thank you for having me. It's good to have you back again. Now, I think the last time you were here was on the 12th of August. Well, that's the last time your program went to air, so uh, it's been a little while, and um, I'm sure you've been busy, but I know you've got something coming up soon. Tell us about what you're preparing for at the moment. Yeah, so I've been preparing for a lifestyle medicine program that we are running in Rosny. Um, in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a four-week program, so every week I'm going to speak on a lifestyle medicine topic about how diet and what we eat and the way we live affects um, chronic disease and our health and how we can improve our health through diet. And I'm going to be doing a talk every week and um, also demonstrating some recipes, and those recipes will be um, available for people to taste as well. I'm looking forward to that. I think I'll be coming along. Great. Um, I need to learn some more recipes. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I know you also, in your day-to-day life, you implement this with your family. You've got a big-ish family. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have four kids aged from 2 to 12, and we eat a plant-based diet at home. So I cook completely plant-based. And, yeah, life is busy but I'm able to implement that. I just keep things really simple. Um, That's the key, isn't it? It it is, yeah. Preparing ahead of time and making sure you've got everything there ready to go. I I do big cook-ups, keep things in the freezer, and, yeah, that makes life much easier. So, Libby, I know you've shared before, but remind our listeners um, your background in health and nutrition. I know you're very passionate about this topic. Yes, I am. I've had a big interest in it for quite a long time. Um, so it probably started about a bit over 10 years ago. I did a course. It was a, a year-long certificate for in community health education presenting where I learned how to uh, run public programs, public health and cooking programs. And that really opened up my eyes to the, um, the link between disease and lifestyle Mm. and then um, for several years I've run cooking demonstrations in the community and then last year I went to university and I did a a, um, graduate certificate in human nutrition which I really loved and I'm wanting to continue that and complete a master's at some stage and I've also completed a certificate in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University in the United States. Wow, that's uh, fantastic. So uh, you've obviously got a keen interest. Now, if you're in the Hobart area, if you're listening in Tasmania, and I know our program goes Australia-wide, but if you're down in the Hobart area, around Hobart, we've got this event coming up. It's four sessions, four weeks. It's being held on a Thursday night starting the 27th of October at 7pm. The sessions are about one and a half hours where you'll hear a presentation from Libby. There'll be a demonstration of uh, preparing or putting together these uh, great recipes that you've got. 
and of course we get the opportunity to taste what they taste like that will be the best part of the night no <laughs> yeah. i'm sure the presentation will be but uh, it'll all be good so um i'm looking forward to that so if you want to get more information about that text in eat well 22 that's no spaces eat well one word and the number 22 to 0488 that's our tassie encounters show number and it will send you back a message with all the details, the link to the booking and all of the information about that event. So do that. Now, today, Libby, our topic is called Lifestyle Medicine, the rise of chronic disease. I think we should get into it. Yeah, sure. So today I'm going to be talking about how what we eat is related to the incidence of chronic disease and our health. And it used to be that chronic diseases were found mostly in Western countries, so countries like um, England, America, Australia. And these diseases, Western diseases, were also known as diseases of affluence, but they're becoming prevalent in developing countries as well. Um, so, but there is, were some areas of the world where chronic diseases were extremely rare, and we're going to look in detail at one of these areas today to see what we can learn about the factors that have influenced the increase of chronic disease. So just before we go on, um, just give us some examples of chronic disease. Yeah, so chronic diseases are diseases that are not contagious, but they're mm -hmm. caused by either behavioural factors or environmental factors or genetics. And they persist for long periods or throughout life. They can be prevented and sometimes they can be reversed as well. And it includes things like heart disease, diabetes and cancer, stroke. Okay, like that. right. So now we know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the area or the country of the world that we're going to be looking at today as an example is China. And China is an interesting country to study because it has developed rapidly over the last few decades. And there's also been a rapid increase in chronic disease as their diet and lifestyle has changed. It's also a great case study because one of the most comprehensive nutrition studies ever done was in China. And it's called the China Study and it was conducted in the 1980s. And the man who was in charge of the China study uh, is a nutritionist called Dr. T. Colin Campbell. Um, and just before we look at the details of the China study, I just want to share some information about Dr. Campbell's background because it provides the context as to why he conducted this study. Mm. So Dr. Campbell is an American. He's a biochemist and nutritionist, and he's still alive today. I think he's in about his 80s. Um, before he conducted the China study, he led a program in the Philippines in the 1970s, and this helped him to really understand the link between nutrition and disease. So the primary purpose of uh, his project in the Philippines was to improve childhood malnutrition and make sure children were getting as much protein as possible. So at the time in the nutrition world, it was believed that childhood malnutrition was caused by a lack of protein, especially from animal foods. Uh, so Dr. Campbell's specific role in uh, the Philippines was to investigate an unusually high rate of liver cancer in Filipino children. Yeah. So liver cancer is usually an adult disease. So it was thought that um, children eating um, peanuts uh, were taking in a mould on the peanuts called aflatoxin, and that's what caused the, pro the problem. 
So aflatoxin is a very toxic mold. Uh, it's found in peanuts, as I said, or corn, and it's known as a class one carcinogen. So this puts it into the same category as cigarettes for causing cancer. Mm. And that that um, that uh, mold or whatever it is has been known for some time now, isn't it? That uh, we have to be careful with where we get our peanuts from, I guess, or how yeah. they're stored. <laughs> yes. Um, I actually, it was during this research that he discovered, uh, I, th- I think he discovered it, or there were, there were some toxins that he discovered. Mm. Um, but during his research, he found that um, the children who were eating the highest amount of protein were the ones getting the liver cancer. Wow. Um, and these were the children from the wealthiest families. So, mm. so they were eating the more you know, processed food, the more animal products. And this is counter to what he expected. He thought that those children who are eating higher amounts of protein would be healthier and likely to get less cancer. So uh, this led to Dr. Campbell um, doing some research on rats. He first came across some research in India that showed that um, rats eating high rates of protein and exposed aflatoxin were more likely to get cancer. So he decided to do this uh, research himself. So um, over 27 years, he received funding from the best funding sources in America, um, including the American Cancer Society. And in his research, they fed one group of rats with aflatoxin and a diet containing 20% protein. And the other group of rats, he fed the same amount of aflatoxin, but a diet with only 5% protein. And every single rat that ate the 20% protein diet developed liver cancer. And every single rat that ate the 5% protein diet did not get the liver cancer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <clears throat> so with the protein, obviously you can get protein from different sources. Was there a particular type of protein that he was testing here? Uh, yes, there was. Uh, he used lots of different types of um, protein in his research, but the protein that he found was the worst was um, one called aflatoxin. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, not aflatoxin. Ca- that was the, Yeah, it's casein. Yeah. That, that was the toxin. So it was casein, which is found um, predominantly in cow's milk. It's mm. the main protein in cow's milk. So... Um, yeah, and the the amount of protein that he was using, it, like it wasn't significantly huge. It was about the same as what humans typically eat. Mm. So, um, but he found that when he used plant proteins, including protein from wheat and soy, the rats did not get um, cancer, even when it was in high in amounts, high like twenty percent. So that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And this really shocked him once again. And I guess it really changed his view on nutrition and protein. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a, a very common perspective, isn't it? That um, we have to get lots of meat uh, in our diet to be strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting that this research is actually showing uh, something slightly different. Yeah. Mm. Yes, it is. We'll come back and uh, talk more about that after the break. Um, I just will remind you, our previous episode that we did with Libby was called Religion and Health and Is There a Connection? It's uh, probably worth going back and having a listen to that. If uh, you want to do that, you can do that on the Faith FM app or the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. And uh, this, I guess, connects the importance of living a healthy life as best as we can. Now, we've got a question for you before we go to a break. Have you ever implemented lifestyle changes to help you with dealing with a chronic condition? We'd love to hear from you today. Share with us what you did. 
and uh, text us in on 0488880891. This uh, first song is called The Image of God, more, and it's by More Than Rubies.
listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Libby Herganen and we're talking about lifestyle medicine and the rise of chronic disease. Before the break we did ask you a question, have you ever implemented lifestyle changes to help with dealing with a chronic condition? And we'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488880891. Now Libby, we've been looking at the China study by Dr. Campbell and uh, he found that the protein from from animals, in this case uh, milk, was actually increasing the incidence of cancer, liver cancer, and yet the protein that came from the plant-based uh, products such as uh, wheat and soy did not do that. Um, what uh, what else have we got in terms of the research? And uh, th- this was all done on rats in mm-hmm. this case, but obviously rats are not people. So what do we know about this in connection with people? Yeah, so the research done on rats is it's not in the lab. It's not a real-world example. So it's not clear if these results would actually translate to humans. Uh, so to see what happens in humans, you need real-world real data. And so that's where the China study came in, and that's why Dr. Campbell wanted to conduct the China study. He wanted to see what do people eat in the real world and what rates of cancer do they get? And, you know, can we compare plant-based diets to um, animal food diets? And so um, he went into China to, to find this out because China presented a unique situation. People in China are genetically very similar. They have more or less the same chance of developing any diseases. So it would be a great place to go into um, and see, you know, how does food affect them getting disease? Mm. Also, in rural China in the 1980s, their diets were largely plant-based. They were low in fat and high in fibre, very different to the diets of Western countries. And in rural China, people tended to live in the same area all their lives and to consume the same diet to each region. For example, villages in the mountains near the Yangtze River relied on steamed bread and sweet potatoes, while in the farmlands, the villages ate mostly rice. So it was a really good opportunity to be able to see how different foods affect um, disease. Mm. And not only did the diets vary from region to region, the diseases um, did too. So in the early 1980s, it was found that cancer incidence in China was localised to certain regions. For example, men in one part of China died of esophageal cancer 435 times more frequently than did men in another part of China, or 20 times as many women in one region suffered breast cancer more than tw- um, in a, women in a different region. So scientists speculated that environment and diet was the main cause of disease. So there was just this unique situation in um, China, um, and they wanted to go in there and find out. So how did this study come about? What was the, what was the reasoning for it? Um, so the China study began in 1983, and... Um, Uh, Colin Campbell, he actually had a Chinese man come into his lab and um, do some research, and they found out all these things about China from him, from this researcher, and they developed a relationship, and they wanted to um, go into China, and so they had this connection with someone who uh, worked for the government. So they formed this relationship with the government um, between 
uh, the university where Dr. Campbell worked, which was Cornell University. They also got some people involved from Oxford University in England. So they all partnered up and conducted the study. And the researchers wanted to find out um, if the varying diets in different parts of China would correlate to death rates from certain diseases. Initially, they were going to look at just cancer, but since they were spending all this time and money, um, the researchers thought they might as well look at all chronic diseases. So to do this, they set up one of the most widespread and massive scientific investigations. And this was really huge, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It involved 6,500 participants. Um, they were selected randomly from 65 counties in rural China, and there was about 120 villages. Um, and the the villages were spread all over China, Um and they had hundreds of researchers going into the different villages and visiting the people. They, were, they even went to Taiwan as well. And sometimes they had to travel for days across, you know, mountainous regions to reach the people in the villages. And um, in the villages, they chose um, some families. Um, they went and observed them. They measured what they ate for several days. They interviewed them. Every piece of food they ate was noted down. They took urine samples, blood samples, and more than a 1,000 items of information was were collected on each of the 6,500 people. So it was just a massive study. Um, and I'll share now some of the findings related to diet in the rural Chinese people. And I'm going to compare that to um, what was happening in the U.S. at the time. Um, in the 1980s. So in rural China, the researchers found that fat intake was less than half of that in the United States. Fiber intake was three times higher in China than the USA. So the Chinese were eating about 33 grams a day compared to the people in the US eating about 10 grams a day. And fiber is found only in unprocessed plant foods. So things like whole grains, vegetables, fruit. So it's clear that the Chinese were eating a lot more plant foods. Animal protein intake was very low in China, only about 10% of what the um, those in the US eat. So um, the Chinese consumed only 11% of protein calories from animal foods. So, you know, 90% of their protein was coming from plants, whereas the Americans consumed 70% of their protein calories from animal foods. So only 30% of their protein coming from plants. Um, also in China, the starch intake was much higher. Starch is a type of carbohydrate found in plant foods. The Chinese ate about 370 grams of starch a day compared to the Americans eating only 120 grams of starch per day. So basically, to summarise the diet of the rural Chinese people, they found that they ate a diet very low in fat, very high in fibre, coming from plants, and low in animal protein and low in animal foods in general. Mm. And at, at some point, did they actually compare the results with uh, people in the USA or was this limited to uh, Chinese people? Um, well, I'll share a little bit about um, some of the findings they um, found in relation to diseases. Um, first, we'll look at cholesterol. Mm. Um, so... The researchers found that cholesterol or chronic diseases were related to total blood cholesterol. So chronic diseases, including cancer and heart disease, mm-hmm. um, were associated with cholesterol levels. The average total cholesterol of the rural Chinese was 3.28 millimoles per litre, whereas the average cholesterol in US adults at the time was 5.25 millimoles. Um, 
And researchers found that blood cholesterol was directly associated with the consumption of dietary fat, animal protein, and meat, meaning that um, the more fat you eat, the more animal protein, and the more meat, the higher your cholesterol levels. And it was inversely associated with the intake of dietary fiber and legumes, meaning the more fiber you have and the more legumes you eat, the lower your cholesterol rate. Mm. And so what then, uh, how did that move on to actually the uh, the outcomes for heart disease and other things like that? Yeah, so um, with heart disease, um, it, the China study showed that coronary artery disease in particular the rates for that in China were very low. For example, um, there was a province, the Guizhou province, it was a region uh, with a population of about half a million people. They found that there was not a single death from coronary artery disease among men aged 60, under 65 in a three-year period, um, which is, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and Guizhou province, um, with its population of half a million people, is about the same population of Tasmania. Mm -hmm. So it kind of made me think about Tasmania and compare it to that. And I looked up some stats on heart disease in Tasmania and found out that heart disease is the leading cause of death here. One in eight people die from heart disease in Tasmania. And based on data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics on deaths in Tasmania, um, in t 2021, 596 people died from heart disease. So over a, a three-year period, that would be about 1,500 people. So if you compare that to... to um, zero. Oh, sorry. Of course, this was under Yeah, so that so. was under 65, but still, you know, I guess it gives us a, a good comparison to mm. show that, you know, huge differences. Mm. Um, and, you know, this was a region where they're eating, you know, um, lots of plants, very low fat, very low animal foods. So it really does make a difference. Mm. We're going to take another break. And uh, d uh, just our question that we asked you before, have you ever implemented lifestyle changes to help you with dealing with a chronic disease? We'd love to hear from you today. Do text us in on 0488880891. And that number, we're going to be giving away a free book offer later in the program. It's called Eight Secrets for a Healthy 100. So do take that number down because you can claim a copy of the free book a bit later. Right now, this is Stronger, or Stronger For It by the Carr family. Stronger for it. 
to follow your footsteps and cast away my doubt. I saw your temptation and how you stood before it. Yeah, I'm tempted too, but I'm stronger for it. Make me by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Libby Herganen on our series Connecting the Dots and we've been talking about lifestyle medicine and the rise of chronic disease. Now before the break we were looking at the China study and in particular we were discussing a little bit about heart disease and we found that uh, in certain parts of China the rate of heart disease was essentially zero <laughs> and uh and that's amazing compared to what we have in our western society so what uh, what was the key connection there that you think um was causing that difference libby uh, just before we go on to our next topic yeah uh well the researchers actually found that the incidence of heart disease was associated with the frequency of the intake of green vegetables so they found that people who were eating more green vegetables had a much lower rate of um, heart disease so the more veggies you eat the lower the rate of heart disease wow there you go eat your greens yeah. we're always told <laughs> eat up your greens exactly well i was always told anyway 
Um, and so we've got other things, chronic diseases like uh, osteoporosis. Um, did they find anything out about that? Yeah, so the China study showed that the Chinese are at much lower risk of um, osteoporosis. Even though most Chinese people consume a little, if any, dairy and take in very low amounts of calcium in general in comparison to those in Western countries. So hip fractures, for example, were only one-fifth as frequent as they were in the U.S. at the time. And this could be because the Chinese in general are more physically active. We know that if you're more physically active, your bones are stronger. Or it could also be that they eat far less protein than Western countries. High-protein diets, especially protein from animal foods, can cause the body to actually excrete more calcium than it takes in. For example, studies have shown that a person eating 142 grams of protein per day uh, will excrete twice as much calcium in the urine as will a person eating a more moderate 47 grams per day. And it's my understanding that it, it does that, the body does that in order to maintain um, the acidity or the correct acidity levels or pH levels in the blood. Is that right? Yeah, because um, protein is comes from amino acids. Mm-hmm. It's very acidic. So the body needs to kind of neutralize that acid and balance it. it. Yeah, it pulls mm. out calcium from the bones. That's mm. what um, yeah, studies have, have shown. Fascinating. And uh, what about other things like... Um, Calories and you know these are calories and fat uh, intakes have been things that have been often uh, the key drivers towards weight loss. Um, mm-hmm. What do we learn about that? Well, it was really interesting in China. The average calorie intake per kilogram of body weight was thirty percent higher than those in the US. So the average Chinese person ate 270 calories more per day than Americans at the time, Mm. but they have much lower rates of obesity. So um, the average BMI in China was 20.5, which is in the ideal range. But the average BMI in the US is was 25.8, which reckon, is in the overweight range. I reckon now it would be much higher. <laughs> yeah, yes. I suspect. <laughs> I'd say so. I didn't actually look at the current rates, yeah. but um, yes, I'd, I'd say so. So it's really interesting that even though the Chinese people are eating more calories, much lower rates of chronic disease, uh, mm. sorry, of obesity and overweight. Mm. Um, so I'll just sort of um, give you a general summary of what the China study showed. So it um, showed that a diet containing a variety of good quality plant-based foods yields the lowest disease rates. Um, and these results are convincing um, that a low-fat plant-based diet can prevent and reverse a wide variety of chronic diseases. Mm. And it's... Um, As I mentioned earlier, China has developed rapidly since the China study was conducted in the 1980s and the foods people are eating have changed and the rates of chronic chronic disease um, have increased dramatically. Now, on a previous program, we talked about the blue zones and um, one of the blue zones that we talked about was in Okinawa um, in Japan. And it's interesting that... um, I remember you made a comment there that it's the traditional, those who follow the traditional dietary practices in Okinawa have the lowest uh, disease rates and the longest lives, but those who have adopted a more Western uh, lifestyle and, and um, diet have have unfortunately received the penalties for doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same pattern is happening in China as well. Mm. In the 1980s, the, you know, the rural people were eating a very traditional plant-based 
diet low in animal foods, low in processed foods, but that has unfortunately been changing and they're ad- adopting a more Western diet as the country um, develops economically. Um, yeah, they they have access to different foods and yeah, they yeah. they've got more money and they're able to buy meat and those sort of things. Mm. So sadly, their um, disease rates are increasing as well. Mm. Um, so I'll have a little bit of a look at some of the changes that are happening with chronic diseases. The first one I'll look at is heart disease. Um, that's increased significantly between 1990 and 2013. The number of cardiac um, diseases from cardiovascular cardiovascular disease that's the worst word um increased by 46 percent in both rural and urban china so a huge amount and in rural china the mortality from heart disease increased by 70 percent so um between 1990 and 2010 so just huge changes Mm. um and the majority of heart disease cases are estimated to be preventable from risk factors and engaging in healthy behaviours such as a balanced diet, eating fresh fruit and veggies, um, lower consumption of alcohol and avoiding smoking. Um, and that's what a journal article said that I read. Um, but it said that less than 1% of Chinese adults have these healthy behaviours, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so... The body weight has also changed in China. Overweight and obesity have increased significantly. For example, in 1990, 6.3% of children were overweight, but in 2010, 17% of children were overweight. Mm. In 1990, 16% of adults were overweight, and in 2013, 33% of adults were overweight. Um, Obesity rates have increased um, from 4.2% in 1993 to 15%. 0.7% 0.7% in 2005. Now, of course, along with uh, things like obesity, we I would expect to see changes in things like the rates of diabetes. Yeah, yes, that has increased significantly as well. In 1978, less than 1% of the population had diabetes, but in 2018, 12.4% of the population had diabetes. One in four people in the world with diabetes lives in China. Wow. Yeah, and um, it's estimated that the prevalence of pre-diabetes in China was 38% in 2018. So this means that um, they have higher than normal blood sugar levels and they're at high risk of getting um, diabetes. So that's, you know, a huge percentage of the population. Mm. So what's what's changed significantly? Obviously, we've introduced different uh, dietary um, changes in China. Mm-hmm. Yep. So with the economic and social changes, um, the diet has changed as well. So the dietary pattern used to be grain based and it's gradually moved to a consumption pattern based on animal products such as meat, dairy products and seafood. Um, the consumption of animal source foods, half of which was pork and pork products, tripled between 1952 and 1992. And one journal article I read stated that the consumption of red meat is seriously excessive. So, yeah, eating lots of, lots of meat, lots of animal products. Mm. It's, it's interesting. I wonder where they've got that message as to, you know, that that's a good thing to do or whether it's just something that they've wanted to do. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm not mm. sure. Mm. I don't know. Um, what about uh, fat intake? Has that changed as well? Yep. So that's 
increased significantly. The consumption of oil tripled between 1949 and 1992. In 1952, 7.6% of calories came from fat, and in 1992, 22% of calories came from fat. Um, the consumption of carbohydrates and cereals, potatoes, beans, and vegetables has decreased. So they're eating less plant-based foods, um, less carbohydrates. The percentage of calories from carbohydrates has decreased. So eating more fat, less carbs, um, more animal protein. So before we go to break, um, do you want to just give us a quick summary over as to what's really, you know, the the summary of the changes that we've just been talking about. Yeah, so they've moved, the Chinese have moved away from the traditional diet of cereals, carbohydrates, vegetables, and they're moving towards a diet high in fat, high in energy density, low in fiber. Um, animal products and oil intake has increased and it's quickly transformed um, to somewhere where they're eating, you know, it's over nutrition um, and they're getting nutrition related chronic diseases. We're going to come back after the break and uh, just finalise this program with some more research and information from Colin Campbell. But we talked about a free book offer, and this is Eight Secrets for a Healthy 100, and I'm assuming that means how to live to 100. (laughs) So uh, this is by Des Cummings, Jr. The invitation to imagine a healthy 100 is not a warranty or guarantee. It's an opportunity. Uh, an opportunity to examine the best practices of the all-stars of longevity and learn their secrets. It's, it's an opportunity to make lifestyle changes that can transform your future. It's an opportunity to discover the spirit of a healthy 100, no matter what your age or current health status. On the journey with Dr. Des Cummings uh, through the eight secrets, and you'll meet a number of people. Brian, who's close encounter with death from heart disease, forced a total makeover including dietary changes in his attitudes and new purpose for living. And there are many, many more stories from people who overcame health challenges. So this is our book offer today, Eight Secrets for a Healthy 100. Stay tuned, and right after the break, we'll give you the code to claim this book. This is Home Heart by Jade Wales, Adriana Wales, and One Glory.
You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM and we're finishing up our program today with Libby Herganen on the topic of lifestyle medicine and the rise of chronic disease. And before the break, we talked about our free book offer today, Eight Secrets for a Healthy 100 by Des Cummings Jr. We've got three copies to give away. So text in to 0488880891. Text this code, CONNECT29, no spaces. That's C-O-N-N-E-C-T and no spaces and then put the numbers 29. Connect 29, text that to 0488880891. Now, Libby, we've been talking about a lot of the research of Dr. Colin Campbell, and uh, he found through this China study and even before that that um, the animal protein back over in the Philippines was causing more of the cancer. Was he somehow biased? Uh, I'm wondering, you know, did he grow up on a veggie farm and he liked eating veggies or something? <laughs> Uh, well, no, actually, Colin, Dr. Colin Campbell, um, he grew up on a dairy farm and he ate plenty of meat and eggs. And at university, he actually wrote his PhD on the way animal protein could be produced more effectively so that we could eat more animal-based protein. Mm. So he was really the most unlikely candidate for a person who would end up promoting a plant-based diet. And that's basically what he spent his life doing. But, um, he, but he looked at the research honestly and openly mm. and uh, saw the evidence. Yeah, definitely. Um, he was very open to, to learning and um, found from his research. It was different to what he expected, but he changed his thinking, which um, is pretty amazing. And he became convinced that a plant-based diet um, as low as possible in animal-based foods was the far healthier choice. And um, he now has a website. Um, he has a, a course that you can do online, which is the one I did um, at through Cornell University, a plant-based mm-hmm. certificate. And he's just going out and teaching people this information. He's also got a book called The China Study, um, which summarizes, um, I guess, a lot of the research that he found as well. Mm. Um, so, so basically, um, we can see from the evidence from the China study that a plant-based diet is the optimal choice for reducing our risk of chronic diseases. And the changes that have recently taken place in China with the increased rates of chronic disease pro- provides more evidence that a plant-based diet is the healthiest choice and it does reduce our risk um, of chronic disease. So I guess the message here for us is to eat a diet centred on unprocessed plant foods this is now that's a really important point isn't it the unprocessed because you can you can be vegan mm-hmm. and you can have a very highly processed vegan diet which is still not very healthy yeah yeah we want to stick to the unprocessed foods so the whole foods uh, rather than you know all the the vegan delicacies that you can find which are perhaps okay to have occasionally mm. but it's I, I wouldn't say they're health promoting mm. so sticking to things like whole grains, legumes and fruits and vegetables as and, much as possible and as much as possible in their native state <laughs> yeah foods as grown is a mm. good way of saying it I learned that from um, yeah there's another there's another thing that I've learned at some point is if it comes in a packet it's probably not as good for you so yeah if uh, if you can eat things that don't come in a packet 
Yeah, another one is um, if your grandmother doesn't recognise it as food, then it's probably not good for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is great, and we've we've had a great discussion about uh, Dr. Campbell's research. Um, what do other organisations have to say about some of this stuff? Yeah, so more and more organisations and countries are recognising that a plant-based diet is beneficial and they're moving more towards um, recommending that. So, for example, I recently looked at the World Health Organisation website to see what it had to say about a healthy diet and I was really impressed. So firstly, it said that a healthy diet helps to prevent chronic diseases, including diabetes, cardiovascular disease, some cancers and obesity, and that an unhealthy diet is one of the leading global risks to health. Um, And then it summarised a healthy diet and it said that um, we should eat mostly or a diet high in fruit, vegetables, legumes, nuts and grains, and one that is low in salt, free sugars, as in, you know, things like the processed sugar, Mm -hmm. um, and low in free fats. That's things like oil and lard, that sort of thing. Uh, And we should particularly avoid saturated fats and trans fats. Trans fats are found in things like processed foods. Um, Mm. You know, The the trans fats comes from uh, heating the Mm -hmm. fats, is is that right? Yeah, and Mm. it's found in a lot of processed foods because it's very stable, like it's Mm. shelf-stable, the food will last a very long time. So anything that's, you know... In a packet that lasts a long time, things like cookies that you buy, they've most likely got trans fats in them Mm. um, and steer clear of those and steer clear of the saturated fats as well, which are found in basically in animal products and coconut products and palm oil. Mm. So keeping those very low. um, And, yeah, I just love that it emphasises the importance of plant foods. It doesn't even mention eating animal foods. It doesn't even mention dairy. Mm. It's just really focusing on those unprocessed plant foods as the staples of our diet. So what's your concluding points today as we wrap up? Mm-hmm. Well, basically from you know what we learn from Colin Campbell's research, from what's happened in China, we can see that we have a lot of influence over our health. What we choose to eat has a significant impact on our health and diseases mm. um, that we um, may get. Um, you know, sometimes we think that genetics is the biggest factor, but this research really shows that it's not genetics. It's it's our diet and our lifestyle. Mm. Um, so eating mostly unprocessed plant foods will improve your health and it will lower your risk of chronic disease. And, um, you know, if you do want to start eating more plant foods, which I highly recommend, uh, you don't need to make the changes all at once because dietary changes are very, uh, can be very difficult, especially if you've spent your whole life eating meat and, you know, your diet centres around that, which for most people in this country, you know, that's the case. So you can start taking some small steps in the right direction. Um, and I guess the thing I recommend is have a look at what you're eating now. What plant foods do you enjoy and start eating more of those? Mm, awesome. Now, remember, we've got a program coming up in Hobart, if you're in the Hobart area. Um, you can join that program with Libby. Um, she'll be leading out. And, uh, of course, 
If you want to get more information about the topic that we've studied today, that we've talked about, Libby does have uh, some information that she can share with you. So do text us in. Just let us know that you're interested in the detailed uh, summary and the papers and online articles, etc. Um, and also text in EatWell22, EatWell22 to 0488880891, where we, you can get more information about our programs. Uh, I don't think we've got time right now to talk much more about that, Libby. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, if you want to get our book offer today, Connect 29, text that into 0488880891. That's Connect 29 for eight secrets for a healthy 100. Uh, next week, join us with Tamika Sporting on this program, Connecting the Dots, with To Be Encouraged. And, of course, on Monday with Mark Falconer, is Jesus Ready series about calling people out of Babylon. We hope to be with you soon. May God bless you today. May the good Lord bless and keep you, whether near or far away. May you find that long away. Troubles all be small ones, and your blessings ten times ten. May the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet again. May you walk with sunlight Never mind what might have been May the good Lord bless and keep you